0: Hope you all are doing well, that the summer cold has not affected you, or if it has, that it's gone by now. It's been no fun. Uh, If you have your Bibles, you can go ahead and turn to Psalm 150, Psalm 150, it's the last one in the book, so there you go, Psalm 150. Uh, This is going to be our final message in Psalms. Everybody said, oh, all right, yeah, I know, I'm the only one who may be sad about that. Um, And so... Next week, we'll just have kind of a standalone message. And then the week after that, we'll start uh, our our sermon series through Acts. I'm really excited about that. So uh, we'll take some time and walk through the book of Acts together. So we'll start that in a couple of weeks. Uh, Just ask that you be praying for that. Go ahead and start reading it, uh, investigating it, writing down questions, things like that. And then we'll jump into it soon. Uh, A couple of quick things, just kind of housekeeping items. One is thank you. To everyone who made Kid Life Bible Camp such a success. Would y'all give them a hand? Give yourselves a hand. Uh, Kid Life Bible Camp was a blast. I think there were 47 kids the first night, 52 kids the second night, and then 47 again on the final night. So uh, it was a blast. We had a lot of fun, and we look forward to doing it again next year after we've all rested. So there you go. It'll be be good. Uh, second thing I wanted to, to mention real quick is some of you may have been around last year. Uh, we had a chili cook-off and we kind of met in the Life Center and we just made this announcement about the playground, that there had been a this generous donation given for that, that uh, this was going to be done in memory of uh, a little girl named Annalisa Stacy, uh, who was the infant who uh, passed away from Mike and Alicia Stacey, their their daughter. And so, um so someone had made a donation to the church and said just do something for the kids we don't care what it is but but here's the money to go do that and so uh once we moved here it's like man we need a playground and we'd still had that money it was right before we made the move that the donation came in and and so anyway so we just said let's build a playground so we did that well one of the things we did at the chili cook office we'd had these plaques this plaque made and so uh, I just wanted to, to bring this to your attention and kind of refresh your memory on that's why the playground's there, but the plaque is there now. So if you haven't seen it yet, I think we have, maybe there's a picture kind of of it and maybe not. But anyway, so if, if you haven't seen it yet, it's, um, it's out there kind of at the northwest corner and y'all go check it out, Pay, uh, kind of look at it, read it. And, uh, and then know that when you take your kids out there, your grandkids out there, your friends' kids out there, you guys are free to use that all during the week, not just on Sundays. Come up and uh, find a quiet place to hang out. There it is, so there you go. So we're just saying thank you to everyone who made this possible, who had a hand in building it, from fences to uh, parts themselves, to, to all of it. There's still a couple of pieces I think we're gonna add uh, in time, but largely it's done. And I wanna say thank you to that. And uh, Mike and Alicia, we just want to say we love you. And uh, I'm just I'm honored to be a part of a body who would bless uh, someone in that way. So uh, let me pray for them. We'll pray for our time together in God's Word. And um, anyway, let's ask the Lord to be with us, Heavenly Father. We love you, uh, Father. I thank you for the body of Christ. I, I thank you for these people, my brothers and sisters, who. Uh, just continually go above and beyond when someone's in need, when someone ha- has had a traumatic experience, or uh, when someone's just rejoicing even. Lord, these people are always there for each other. I know that's a mark of your Holy Spirit living inside of us. Uh, and so I'm so grateful for that, so grateful for these people. Lord, we thank you that uh, we know in the grand scheme that a playground is a really small thing. That's not that big of a deal, Lord, but we thank you for even the small provisions of things like a playground, from the the generous hearts of people to to make that come to fruition, all in a way to say, we love this family, we hate what they've gone through, but we want to honor them, uh, and we think this would be a good way to do it. So, Father, we thank you for that. Lord, we love you. We pray that you continue to be with Mike and Alicia and Gavin, Lord, that you continue to uh, just lead, guide, comfort, and uh, Father, there's Uh, multiple people in here, Lord, over the last couple of years who have lost a child. And so, Father, we just thank you that you comfort us with the body of Christ, that you give us one another and you give us your Holy Spirit. You be with them. Father, we ask that you be with us as we get ready to read Psalm 150, think about kind of where all we've been through the Psalms, kind of what this means for us as we move forward. Would you open our hearts and minds to hear your word, to know your word, to understand it, and then to live it out. We love you. We need your help now. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. Amen. So uh, Psalm 150, if you would, would you stand up? Let's read this together and then I'll let you sit. This is our way of saying these are God's words, not Kyle's, not the preacher, not whoever's up here. So let's read this together. Psalm 150 says, Praise the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty heavens. Praise Him for His mighty deeds. Praise Him according to His excellent greatness. Praise Him with trumpet sound. Praise Him with lute and harp. Praise Him with tambourine and dance. Praise Him with strings and pipe. Praise Him with sounding cymbals. Praise Him with loud clashing cymbals. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. You guys can be seated. want to talk to you just a little bit about worship and praise and kind of how this is an ongoing thing in our lives as we get ready to dive into this text. So your affections, you may or may not be aware of this, I'm sure that you are largely aware of this, but your affections, your my affections, they're constantly falling on someone or something, right? So we're, maybe it's a loved one, maybe there's somebody in our life who we just love so dearly. We value our time with them. They kind of make us feel at peace or at home. They give us some joy. They're comforting uh, when we need it. And so we just we praise them. Right. We just talk about how much we love them, how wonderful they are to us and all of that. We maybe it's just kind of an item of convenience at times. Right. Like a microwave or an air conditioner or or a drive through. You're just like, man, I'm so grateful for these things. Mama ain't got to cook tonight. Right. So uh, and so we're, we're we're happy for items of convenience. Maybe it's a car. Uh, maybe it's your phone because sometimes they are convenient. Uh, and so these things in life tend to make life easier, more comfortable. So we end up kind of praising them. We talk about how comfortable life is with them, how much they mean to us, how, how sad we would be if things went away, like air conditioner. I, I don't know that I would enjoy a life without air conditioner. So at least not in South Arkansas. So these things tend to, to kind of make our life easier. But then maybe it's something like a food or a drink. You know, the way a flavor hits your taste buds just perfectly, kind of all mixed together in the right ways, and you just think in that moment, there's nothing better than this. I feel that way kind of anytime I have a a steak from the sandbar over in Camden, right? And and so there isn't, there's just not in that moment anything better, anything greater, and you just, you're praising just how good food is. Like, thank God for a cow, right? Thank God that we've learned how to slaughter those things and throw them on a grill. Like, this is, this is perfect and butter sauce or whatever this is they're doing to this thing. This is amazing, right? And so that's kind of how we feel. But they're, they're, our affections, our, our praises are just kind of constantly falling on all kinds of things. Whatever really in that moment is making life special, right? Whatever kind of making life great. And so we, the problem is, is that that can be a problem for us. Not not the enjoying things like you, you are created To enjoy things. That's normal. Like you've been created with five senses, right? You've you've been given the ability to to enjoy the many sights, the many tastes, sounds, textures of life. So the problem isn't affections at all. It's not that we have affections. God created us to have affections. We ought to have affections. But the problem is that we too easily let our praise terminate on His creation, that our affections just kind of die on the thing that we're praising, whatever that may be. It just stops there. We never recognize that it came from anywhere else. We begin to praise creation rather than the creator. So C.S. Lewis identified the problem this way. He said, really, it's not bad that we have affections. It's bad that our affections are too easily satisfied. He goes on to say, we settle too quickly for mud pies in the slums when we're being offered a vacation by the sea. He's just saying too often we, we let our affections die on just these really small kind of transient things when God has so much more to offer us. It's in those moments that when we begin to praise the Creator rather than, um, or we begin to praise creation rather than the Creator that we are committing idolatry. This isn't a new revelation. This isn't anything that Kyle's kind of drummed up, right? You know me. I'm not in the business of just making things up. This is the root of sin. This is where sin begins in our heart. It's a failure to value God above all things so that he's not praised as he should be. It's not a coincidence that the first commandment issued in the Ten Commandments is you shall have no other gods before me. God is the creator of all things and is, therefore, the only God, the only thing, the only person worthy of our unadultered praise. Paul in Romans 1, he identifies the root sin as idolatry. He says this, he says that mankind exchanged, talking about kind of back at the fall and so on and so forth. He says mankind exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images. He goes on to say they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshiped and served the creation rather than its creator. Creation worship rather than creator worship became our nature after the fall in the Psalms, what we've seen kind of over and over again is just the valleys of sin and despair and hopelessness. But we've also seen the mountaintops of faithfulness and hope, redemption and trust. And Psalm 150 just comes in at the end of all of this and acts like a doxology. It's just this, this praise for God, like just a bursting forth. And this is who God is. He's worthy of our praise. And in that way, it's a fitting conclusion to the book. You come to the end of Psalms, you see that God is faithful, that He's steadfast in His love for His people, that He never leaves us, never forsakes us, that He's always in control, and you see then that He is worthy of praise. And so Psalm 150 commands us to praise Him over and over again. It says, praise the Lord or praise Him, this God who is great and glorious who has acted on behalf of His people. This God is worthy, according to the psalmist, of infinite praise. He must be the object of our deepest affections, our highest praise. And so I just want you to write kind of this big idea down from this text. I think what the text is after is that only God is worthy of wholehearted praise. So, If you're taking notes, it's there on the back of your worship guide. Only God is worthy of wholehearted praise. Now I mentioned that we see the words praise the Lord or praise Him over and over in this text. We actually see them 13 times in six verses. The psalmist is making it utterly clear because he knows how um, silly we can be, how dumb we can be even at times, how prone to wonder we can be. And he's just making it very clear for us and saying that God alone is worthy of our praise. Praise Him. Praise the Lord. Praise Him. Praise the Lord. He even commissions the heavens to praise the Lord. Praise Him in His mighty heavens. What he's saying is, is that human voices alone aren't enough for praising the Lord. That He is worthy of all the praise of everything that has breath. So let everything that has breath praise the Lord, as He says in verse six. And he goes on to command us to to use all of our energy in praising God, to play instruments, to smash cymbals. Seth said, "I got that one for you." Right. To, to dance in joyous praise of the Lord. Now I know, I know some of you are Baptists, some of you Church of Christ, right? You're a little uncomfortable right now. It's okay, we're going to get through this. Alright, you can do this. We can praise and dance. That's okay, Baptists. We can praise with instruments. That's okay, you Church of Christers. We've got this. But the psalmist is, is telling us that use everything you have to praise the Lord because He's worthy of that. He's worthy of it. And so he goes on to command us to, to do it with all of our energy. He, he's telling us that it's wrong for us to give even the least bit of praise to anyone or anything else. That if we start to do that, if we're praising something else, we're in trouble. We're, we're, we're giving affection to something that's not worthy of the affection. Spurgeon goes on to call it treason. He says it's robbery. It's robbery. We're, we're taking from the Lord. We're, we're abandoning the Lord. Something that He's due. Remember, if we give our praise to anything or anyone else, we, we're committing idol- idolatry. To protect ourselves from idolatry, we must make a habit of praising God in all things and for all things. Right? So we want to do it in all things. In all the things of life, we want to be praising God. We want to have this heart geared towards praise. Praise. We'll talk more about that in a little bit. But then, for all things, we want to recognize that all things in life come from God. That, that He is the Father above in heaven who gives good gifts. We recognize that they're from Him, and so we praise Him for those things. We recognize that only God is worthy of wholehearted praise. Typically, when we, when we have a sin in our lives, we just try to mortify it, which means we, we try to kill it, we try to put it to death. So if I've got like the sin of idolatry in my life, I'm finding my affections are falling on someone or something else other than God. I'm putting that before Him. Typically what we'll do, the way that we'll kind of go about getting rid of that is we'll just, you know, we'll try to, it's like chopping off your right hand or gouging out your right eye like Jesus says, Right? Typically, we just try to cut that thing off. We try to mortify it the best we can. We're trying to kill it in the best way we can. But what happens, at least I've found so often and what the what the Puritans recognize is that we we become so centered on mortifying the flesh that all we can ever think about is mortifying the flesh. All we can ever think about is that sin that we keep committing. And so we end up in a lot of really a, a lot of different states. For me, what it's often looked like is I get very down about my sin, right? I, I begin, I'm begin. i very ashamed of those things, oftentimes uh, in despair over those things. And I know that, that Jesus Christ has erased sin in my life, right? Like, not that I won't sin, but that I'm not guilty of those sins any longer because Christ bore that guilt. But even still in the moment, sin has dominion over me, and I recognize that. I'm, I'm giving it to I'm giving dominion. To sin and so what happens is we end up in all these different kind of states and we try to try to fix ourselves with ourselves and the problem is we're the problem we can't fix ourselves so we focus so much on those things We try to to fix ourselves on our in our own way and we realize man I can't do this when we get discouraged we get down we, we kind of we stop trying the Puritans said that, that what we have is a problem with over mortification and not paying enough to, attention to what they called vivification, which was just this idea that we magnify the Lord in such a way that He becomes more beautiful to me than anything else I find beautiful. Than any sin that I'm kind of drawn to. And that we should vivify the Lord. We should magnify Him. We should praise Him more. And so one of the ways we combat sin certainly is to mortify the flesh we want to put to death the deeds of the flesh so that we can more fully walk according to the Spirit but one of the ways we do that also is to stare over and over at the glory of God in Christ Jesus that we look to him we praise him we worship him we magnify him in all things the goal of vivification is praising God in such a way that he becomes more desirable, more praiseworthy than the allure of our idols. I think that's part of what the psalmist is after here. So when I say that only God is worthy of wholehearted praise, I mean that our whole hearts should be engaged or devoted to praising God alone, not divided between praising things or praising people, but to praising versus kind of praising God but just wholly committed to praising the Lord in all things, for all things. But when it isn't, when we find that there's affections in our heart for something that isn't Him, we must repent of that. We must lay that at the feet of the Father. Ask Jesus to forgive us those sins. And then seek from there to praise Him wholeheartedly again. So, We are commanded to praise Him, right? We're commanded to praise Him wholeheartedly. This should be all of our person involved in the praising God. But what for? So I've talked about mortification, but I think that vivification helps us more in this. I think that looking more at Christ helps us in this. And so when I say that, uh, what for? I'm asking, like, what are we going to praise Him for? Well, the psalmist here in verse 2, I think he lays out two reasons why we praise the Lord. And I think that these answers are the fuel behind the command that every living thing should praise the Lord. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. These two things become our answers. So the first thing is we praise the Lord wholeheartedly for His work. For His work, or His works, or His deeds. We praise Him for His work. Verse 2, part A, he says, Praise Him for His mighty deeds. This is the psalmist's first reason for praising God like in the mighty works of God he's saying we see his power let's praise him for his mighty works and in his power in his works you see things like truth and justice and righteousness winning out you see those things in the works of his hands so when the psalmist thinks of praising God's mighty works he's thinking about God's historical work first and foremost he's thinking about all the ways that god has rescued israel over and over and over again he's saying we should praise him for those moments where he was with us in our past not only as the nation of israel though but also as god's people just with hurting hearts broken hearts like we've seen throughout the last few psalms that we that we've walked through we praise him for his past work his his historical work we pray him praise him for his present work also for the things that God is currently doing in our lives we give praise to him some sort of work that he's working together for us we we do this in in our lives one of the ways we do this kind of regularly at least in our church is in home groups we have this time of of just Praising the Lord. We talk about these wind stories. We talk about things that the Lord has done that week in our lives and we just want to attribute praise to Him for that. It's one way of making sure we're constantly looking for the hand of God in our lives. And then I think the psalmist has in mind God's future work. Also, when he's saying I praise him for his mighty deeds, he's saying also for the mighty deeds that are to come. Like we know that this is who God is, that these are the things he will accomplish. And so we're going to praise him for that. We see truth and justice and righteousness in the past, the present, the future. The psalmist says, let's praise him for that. But in the praise of God, he's recalling God's work of creation. He's calling his, recalling His work of providence, just ordering events, working in their lives. And He's recalling His work of redemption. And, and so God is worthy of all praise in creation. Creation is a mighty act of God. He spoke into being things out of nothing. All we know is that in the beginning, God created that there was nothing there that in the in the void and in the, the darkness, whatever that may have looked like, God spoke and things came to life. Things happened. That's a power, unlike anything we can we can recognize. Like if we think about it, we can create things, but we're never creating anything out of nothing. Right? We're never just looking at thin air and saying, tree or ocean or mountains or person. right? Like we're not doing that. We can create things out of the substance, the matter that God's given us, but God created even the matter, even the substance. God is all powerful and and we can see that clearly in creation, but what that means is is that our worship should never terminate on created things because we recognize that a created thing has a creator and that the creator is God. So our worship should always roll up to then the Creator, not onto creation. When we begin to praise God for all the things in life that we enjoy, things like laughter. Anybody in here enjoy laughing? Yeah, right. You enjoy love, right? The the love between a, a, a mother. And a child, or a father, and a child, or a husband to a wife, or a wife to a husband, or friend to friend, or brother to sister in in Christ, or just brother and sister, right? There's love that we all get to enjoy, and this is just a piece of creation. We praise God for food, right? We love food. It's not wise for a preacher to talk about food during the middle of a sermon, but I just did, so there you go. We (laughs) praise God for convenience. Just all the ways he makes life easier. We talked about some of those things earlier. What about colors? When's the last time you just looked at a color and said, "Man, that's a really nice color. Praise God, He created that color. These are little ways that, that I try with, with my ch- with my kids to just put into them this natural praise of the Lord, like when we're having fun or when we've watched a movie that we enjoyed, or when we've just done something together, we've just been outside. like praise God. For that right praise god we get to go do that or when we pray at night like thank you jesus for this day you've given us it's just one way that we can keep putting that before them but it's good for my own heart too it's good for me to see all the ways that the lord blesses i praise god for sounds i i can't play music i can't sing music but i love to listen to music music's one of my favorite sounds but i praise god for the sounds of my children Probably one day even I'll praise Him for the screaming at one another, but like, and I'll miss it. But I just praise God for the sounds of noise in my house at times. There's a lot of things that the Lord's given to us that we just take for granted. We're just like, ah, it's just the way the world goes. No, it's not. Like, God created the world to go that way. There's a purpose behind those things. And when we rightly roll our praise onto the Creator we're then praising Him. Like, that's right worship in that moment. And we're guilty of not doing that. But it's not only His work of creation that's worthy of praise, it's His work of providence. It's worthy of praise too. Like, from what we know about God in the Scriptures is that we can rightly praise Him in all of the events of our lives. We know that He is working together all the things of our lives for the good of those who love Him or are called according to His purpose. Romans 8.28 we can see over and over throughout the Psalms, throughout the Old Testament, throughout the events of the world in, in, in our scriptures, throughout the New Testament in suffering and all of these things. We, we've talked a lot about this as we've gone through some really difficult Psalms and over the last few weeks, we can praise God in all things. We're not praising him for the thing, right? Like praise God for this disastrous event that happened in my life. We're not doing that typically, but we're praising God in the event. In the middle of it, this is what James talks about in James chapter one, uh, verse two. He says, "Consider it an opportunity for great joy when many trials or trials of various kinds come upon you." There's something in the trial that's going to create in us a steadfastness or a faithfulness to God, and so we can praise God in the moment of the trial because we know that it's working together for our good. It doesn't mean we're praising Him for the thing; it's just that that thing's producing a more Christ-like person in us, and we're grateful for that. And so we we praise God for his providence, whether things be good or bad. We know that he's with us that he's working all things together for our good and his glory, and so he is worthy of praise in every season of life. But finally, one of the greatest works of God is redemption. We'll talk more about that in just a moment. But God has a long history of redeeming his people starting with just Adam and Eve in the garden and being kicked from the garden, but that, that promise in the middle of a curse to the serpent of there will come this head crusher one day. You won't reign in power forever. You won't have dominion forever. He'll come, He'll crush you. Like just seeing that little picture of Christ right there was the beginning of God saying, even in this great fall, all things are going to work together for the good of my people and my glory. And He can be trusted. We see that theme throughout Scripture. God redeems His people. He's got a long history of doing it over and over again. And the same is true for us. If you are a believer, you are in Christ. Christ has saved you. Christ's righteousness covers your sinfulness. You are now a new creation in Him. You're getting to put to death the old man and take on this new man. You're getting to walk now according to the Spirit, which you were bound to sin. Now you're freed from the bondage of sin and freed to live according to the Spirit of God. It's Romans 6, 7, and 8. You begin to see those things. And this is a result of the work of God in Christ for our redemption. Only God is worthy of wholehearted praise, and so therefore we praise Him wholeheartedly for His work. Second, we praise Him wholeheartedly for His worth. He's worthy. Praise Him, he says in verse 2, part B, he says praise Him according to His excellent greatness. The psalmist is saying that we should praise God really for His greatness, greatness. Like that's how it was really worded. It's just greatness, greatness which became kind of excellent greatness because that's a little more clear to understand. But it means that we praise Him according to His great worth. And specifically, the psalmist has in mind His character, who He is. And he's saying He's using greatness, greatness or excellent greatness as the psalm's way of saying that God alone, He's the only one worthy of our praise. That nothing is as worthy to be praised as our God. We know from the Scriptures that God holds the universe together by His Word. That Jesus even spoke the Word there at creation. He spoke things into being. And that now He sits at God's right hand, Philippians 2. And holds the universe together by the power of His Word that He orchestrates the events of the world to maximize His glory. We know that God saves people from their sins by drawing them to Himself. John 6, John 10. We know that God will not be mocked. We see this throughout the Psalms, that He sits in the heavens and He laughs at the plans of the wicked. We know that God never leaves or forsakes His people. We know that there is nowhere we can go to hide from Him, not even to the depths of Sheol or the heights of heaven. We will not hide from God. He is always with us. We know that God is omnipotent. He's all powerful. We know that he is omniscient. We know that he is omnipresent. He's all knowing. He's always present. There truly is no one and no thing like our God. We know that God is steadfast in love. That He's always faithful. We know that God in Christ gave up all that He had in heaven, took on the likeness of human flesh, was beaten, mocked, crucified for us. We know that He rose again on the third day defeating death, hell, and sin forevermore. And that anyone now, Romans 10, who places their faith in Jesus will be saved from sin's death and freed from the bondage of sin to live for Christ forever. God alone is worthy of of our praise and so the psalmist implores the reader to praise him praise him praise him for his work and his worth if we are guilty and rest assured we are at times guilty of trading creation worship and creator worship getting those mixed up when we're guilty of praising anything or anyone other than god we've committed idolatry we need to repent. We need to give all praise to God. Only God is worthy of wholehearted praise, and so we praise Him wholeheartedly for His worth. A psalm show us a God who is miraculous and gracious. A God who will not ignore the needy or helpless. A God who hates wickedness and will execute perfect justice one day. A God who heals the brokenhearted. A God who is a refuge and a shelter for the troubled. A God who understands the internal highs and lows of living in a fallen world. What can we do but offer that God our wholehearted praise? He alone is worthy of Ultimately, we see the fullness of God's work, of God's worth in Christ Jesus. Hebrews chapter 1 describes the person and work of Christ this way. It says, Christ is the radiance of the glory of God. He's the exact imprint of his nature and he upholds the universe by, his word, by the word of his power. After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. We read things like that in the New Testament and we say, wow, (laughs) like he is worthy of my praise. I praise him for his work, that he became like me, that he was tempted like me and he overcame sin and he overcame death for me. And now that by his death and resurrection, I, too, can overcome those things. But I I praise him for his work, but I also praise him for his worth." Because of his death, because of his resurrection, because of how he upholds now the universe by the power of his word and he sits at the right hand of the father, like he alone is worthy of my praise. He alone is worthy of not only my praise, but my whole hearted praise. And if there's anything in me that's not praising the father, if there's anything in me that my affections are kind of terminating on creation. and the rest of me, the Spirit which is alive in me, raises kind of this red flag in my conscience and says, that's not right. That's not it. Don't, don't use your body, your mind, your words, your affections for that. Use it to praise the Lord wholeheartedly. He alone is worthy. You're robbing yourself of a holiday at the sea and just spinning in the mud pies in the slums. Praise the Lord. Praise Him for His excellent greatness. Praise Him for His mighty deeds. Hebrews goes on to say why this is so significant for us. Why this matters in our life. Like if this isn't enough to praise the Lord, then look look at what you get now in Christ. It says, since then, we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our confession. Let us hold tight to it. Don't let it go. Hold on to it. Because things will come and try to rob it. Hold on, he says. Let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Jesus Christ was tempted in every way that we are and He did it without sin. And the beauty of that is, is that in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13, the Bible tells us that in all temptation, that in all of our temptation, God has already provided the way of escape to seek Him in that. And you too can overcome sin. We don't have to be bound by sin any longer. We have this great high priest who sympathizes with us in our weaknesses, who was tempted in the same way we are, and this is what he says. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in our time of need. So lest we hear, if there's idolatry in our heart, go clean that up. Lest we hear if there's this praise for something else in my life where I'm committing myself to it, I'm giving myself to it, go get rid of that yourself and then come into the assembly. That's not what we're hearing. That's not what the scripture's saying. The Scripture is saying you have a sympathetic high priest in heaven who was tempted in the same way, tried in the same way, did it all without sin, gave His life for you so that you now can approach this throne of grace and receive mercy for your time of need hallelujah we're free from the bondage of sin we don't have to live in the darkness anymore we get to pursue Christ because Christ did it first he lives sinlessly and now we follow him we praise him in this I don't want you to hear this beat down message of like oh man there's this I I know that I just love that TV show too much. I I love that person more than I should. I I love that, that thing, kind of that pet sin, more than I ought to. And all I'm hearing today is that I'm just worthless. No! What I want you to hear today is that you have reason to praise even when your heart is far from the Lord. Because Christ is there for you. There's nowhere you can go that He's not there. There's nowhere you can run to that Christ isn't pursuing you. He's there. And you too can approach the throne of grace and receive grace and mercy in your time of need. Praise God for that. So I just ask you, I want you to ask yourself, are you in need of grace today? Are you in need of His mercy today? Have you sinned against the Lord by trading Creator worship for creation worship? What we see over and over again in the Psalms is that the God of the Psalms, one who meets the desperate, who hears the distraught, He took on flesh and blood and He came for us. He came for you. This is who He is. Will you draw near to Him? Will you draw near to the Lord today? Will you draw near this morning and receive mercy and grace in your time of need? I do beg you to to stop the creation worship, whatever it may be in your life. Stop hoping that that thing will finally bring happiness to your life, whatever it may be. Seek the Lord and Him alone and let Him take care of all the details. Let Him work the rest out in your life. But seek Christ today because He's the only one ever. He's the only one ever, right? All the other gods say, come to me and do these things. Christ says, come to me and find rest for your souls. It's beautiful. The God we serve is truly unlike any other God. And we're guilty of not praising Him enough. I'll be the first to admit. But Let's not just settle for that. Let's say, look at who He is and let's praise Him together. Let's worship Him together.